Hi, welcome to Rebuilders. My name is Liddy and I'm here with Mark and Daniel and we have a bit of a bonus episode today. Tell us about it, Mark. Well, I think as, as long-term listeners and perhaps even shorter-term listeners uh, would know, um, you know, there's a real heart for renewal, mm. awakening, yeah. uh, a, a heart for revival that's behind this uh, podcast. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about insane things like Blink-182 um, <laughs> uh, and uh, UAPs and supply chains. But really behind all of this is a beating heart for God to renew his church. Mm. And uh, we know many of you will be watching um, uh, from a distance um, uh, the awakening uh, that's happening at mm-hmm. uh, Asbury College in Kentucky. And uh, you know, about three hours ago, we have uh, Brian Heasley here with us. Uh, yes, he's the in, tr- in Melbourne. In Melbourne, uh, been, he's had some pastries, um, <laughs> so uh, uh, which is great. And uh, we're going to be doing an episode with him coming up. Yes. Um, and so he's the International Director of 24-7 Prayer, so we, we won't say anything more about that, but stay tuned. Yep. Uh, we've got a great episode coming up. And uh, But, um, you know, he mentioned that the founder of 24-7 Prayer, Pete Gregg, um, which many of you will know about his books and, and uh, speaking, uh, that he actually is at Asbury. And mm. we just thought, why not jump on? Uh, so we jumped on and yes. uh, uh, it's a fantastic interview. Yeah. So we are going to play that interview for you now. So that's with Mark and Brian chatting with Pete Gregg. Well, Pete Gregg, thank you so much for joining us. A uh, little bit at late notice, but uh, that's what happens when uh, we have these movements which are emerging. And you've just uh, come back. You're currently in Oklahoma, but you've just come back from uh, Asbury College and I just love yeah, I to hear. Yeah. So go on, yeah. Yes is the answer. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, and I just love to hear. You know, obviously, uh, the world is watching. The Christian world is watching, and there's a real hunger and anticipation out there for God to move. But we just love to hear your just initial little sketches of, of what you've seen, what you felt, what you've experienced. I think the first thing I want to say is. I went to Asbury primarily as a pilgrim. I just realized that some areas of my heart were getting hard and I wanted to fall in love with Jesus again. And I think I needed hope. Mm. I'm so sick of all the hopelessness. Mm. And I got it. I saw it. I felt it. I experienced it. Um, I also had the privilege of meeting with the leaders who are at the heart of this thing. It's really interesting. People think this is a leaderless thing. It's not. It's being very strongly led. But it's being led by humble leaders. And mm. we are so used to narcissistic leaders that when we see humble leadership, we assume there's no leadership. Mm. It's really interesting. They're meeting every three hours, mm. by the way, because there's so much, it's, it's moving so fast. But the headlines, Mark, for anyone who doesn't know, is on Wednesday, the 8th of February, there was a routine chapel service. Mm. Asbury University is a Christian university, so part of your credit system, you have to attend chapel three times. Mm. Over the road, there's an Asbury seminary. Those are the guys who will want to go to chapel. Asbury University Mm. are the guys who don't want to go to chapel. Mm. And uh, there was a, you know, uh, there was a talk by a guy I've just been with called Zach. Zach Zach won my heart, Mark, because he, Mm. he said to me, it wasn't a very good talk. He said, I hadn't prepared because I'm lazy. That's an exact quote. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I've watched it, and it wasn't a very good talk. <laughs> and uh, there's something in me that so wants to attribute these things to, you know, the, the superstar moment, the killer mm. quote, you know? And this whole thing is the antithesis of that. And mm. at the end of Zach's talk, a handful of students stayed behind just to get their hearts right with God. Wonderful. Mm. But then... And it is inexplicable. I, I am a natural skeptic, so I've been asking all the questions, trying to find mm. rational explanations, and no one can find one. The students started to want to go back to chapel, which is unheard of, and asking their professors if they could skip classes to go. Mm. And as the day wore on, the chapel began to fill a huge huge uh, auditorium there and by that night it was kind of full of people praying and worshiping late into the night mm. it all is very familiar to those of us who, who've done the 24 7 prayer journey because it's students le leading it prayer worship and the thing just began to grow and we now are at a place mark where They've got there. They've got three or four overflow venues. Mm. The crowds are snaking out the door, and people wait between four and six hours in the cold to get in. Wow! And inside is just this very gentle analog experience, lo-fi mm. of peace and uh, and uh, is a very loving, gentle atmosphere. The guys leading worship are. You know, just, I mean, they're making half it up as they go along. They'll sing one song mm -hmm. for half an hour. Um, there's no words on the screen. There are no zero production values. Mm -hmm. But the sense of the Spirit of the Lord is strong in there. Mm -hmm. And then there are testimonies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yesterday the police shut down the highway because mm – -hmm. Uh, they can't cope with the numbers of people now, not just coming from campuses across America, but from there are a, lot, a lot of people from Chile and uh, Brazil. I saw people there from the UK. So it is, it's building. And they reckon, you know, Wilmore, the town that Asbury's in, there's 3,636 people. They, one of the leaders said to me privately, he reckons 100,000 people, maybe that many, have come through their town in 12 days. Bear in mind, no advertising other than, you know, organic social media. No, it's a mass event that was unplanned, unbudgeted for. And the only explanation I can come up with is it's a sovereign move of the Spirit of God, and people are desperate. Mm. Mm. Pete, I'd be interested to know. Hi, it's Brian here, but you know that. I'd be interested to know what it felt like actually in the room, mm -hmm. and was was this kind of you, you talk about people feeling compelled to go to the room? So was the is the revival happening in people outside of the room, or is there an atmosphere, a sense, uh, a thin place environment? How did, how did it actually feel? It is a thin in, place, yeah. which is that Celtic phrase, isn't it? Whether the veil between heaven and earth is thin. But one of the most moving things, I think, is to look at the crowds outside, mm. waiting for four hours, five hours, six hours, and the worship just rising up. And in the overflow venues, the same stuff is happening. 
and it's it's very gentle as i say it's it's there's no hype um it is a gen a gen z as they say in america or in the uk would say a generation z mm. movement it's being led by the students and what it, what one of the things i find interesting is is the charism of this outpouring of the spirit you know, and I, I prefer that term. It is undoubtedly an outpouring of the spirit. Mm. I, I think the revival word is is so loaded. It means so many different things in different contexts. Mm. Um, but but it is an outpouring of the spirit, and it is being led by Gen Z, and it is everything that Generation X and perhaps Generation Y, everything that we think is necessary to gather a crowd is not happening. Mm, interesting. But, but but it is breaking all the rules mm, and wow. uh so yeah there, there's something around how different outpourings of the spirit at different times in history have their own charism their own mm. gift of the spirit for a moment in time and this is definitely distinctive it's definitely mm. god it's definitely sovereign uh, you know, someone, my, my friend J.D. Walt, who's one of the leaders there, is the former chaplain there, he said to me, the only celebrity is Jesus. And I, I've just been in that environment mm. for hour mm. upon hour, and I can tell you it's true. Mm. <laughs> there's no one else. You want to be impressed by someone. There's, there's just masses of unimpressive people getting really impressed with Jesus. <laughs> mm, fantastic. You mentioned the college um, has a seminary and also like yeah. a Christ Christian university and classically you've yeah. got the, you know, is is it happening in one of those sectors or is it spilling between the two? Is there a sort of an evangelistic element to this as well? Yeah, it's so interesting because this is the university, not the seminary. So it's not the, it's not the place you'd expect it to be happening. And I believe it's significant it's happening on a college campus, Mark. And mm. not in a mega church sanctuary. I think mm. God is doing something. I think what we're going to see is this multiplying. I think mm. you'll see a thousand Asbury's. It's going to mm. multiply into other university campuses. Yesterday morning, I spoke live to a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, from Asbury. And at mm. the end, you know, we prayed a prayer of impartation. You never really know how these things go. You're speaking to a mm. camera on a screen, you know, end of the message good night but then an hour later i sent a photograph and the church service that was meant to finish an hour earlier was still going strong two hours later they were still interceding the spirit was moving in the auditorium in tulsa and it was being led by the students but i think mm. we're going to see this multiply it's about university campuses and um the, you know, the university and seminary are at Asbury are separate institutions. Mm. And there are some significant challenges, of course, because this is a working university. People are mm. paying their fees to learn their courses. And suddenly you've got, a, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people descending mm. upon it. Mm. You say uh, we, we were around with Toronto. That was a very specific yeah. kind of charism that we experienced, I experienced. Peace, you say, quietness, gentleness. What does yeah. that look like? Well, you know, I've been, these unprocessed thoughts, Brian, sure. but I've been reflecting a bit how 
you know, it, whichever outpouring you look at, it doesn't take long to work out what the charism was. So Azusa was tongues. Mm-hmm. You know, the Hebrides was probably a holiness movement more than anything. Um, Toronto was joy and manifestations of the spirit. It was like turbocharged charismatic. Uh, the Welsh awakening was, you know, salvation. Um, you know, in our own little world, Brian, 24-7 prayer started in a very similar way to all of this. Mm-hmm. It was a call to prayer, actually, and there was a certain militancy. I think what we're seeing here is firstly, as you say, peace for an, uh, a generation experiencing unprecedented anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Secondly, a deep sense of communality, of belonging in that room for a generation experiencing epidemic of loneliness. Mm. Thirdly, humble leadership for a generation that is sick and tired of narcissistic leaders and religious abuse. Mm. Fourthly, this it is uh, it is participatory adoration. Mm. Just, you know, a, a piano and a guitar and mm. um for a generation that is is kind of frazzled on digital distraction. Hmm. So, you know, if, if you're cynical, you look at it and say, well, this is just like, um, you know, a kind of manifestation of social reaction. Hmm. It's like a, a Jungian, you know, psychological thing going on corporately. But if you're a person of faith, I think you look at this and say, isn't it just like the Holy Spirit to minister at a place mm. in time to a generation exactly what that generation needs? And, yes. and, 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 you know, I love that quote. It's not originally from me, but, you know, when it comes to news of a move of God, I'd rather be gullible than cynical. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Um, again, too, we're doing this very on the fly, so I don't have all the names, but, um, you know, our friend Sarah Brule, uh, who's part of the yeah. Revive Network, um, like not too long yeah, I was ago. I think with we were, yesterday. Oh, wow. We're going to try and get her on too. We'll see. I think she's currently flying uh, to Rome, but we'll see how we go. But, um, you know, she at the gathering um, shared something. Uh, we were at the 24-7 prayer gathering in, in Belfast and she gave a seminar and she talked about this kind of travailing prayer. And I listened, I wasn't in it, but I listened back to that. And it's interesting, she referenced one of the professors at Asbury who'd interviewed for yeah. his PhD, I think. Uh, I've forgotten the gentleman's name. I've David Thomas, yeah. David Thomas. Um, and I think he'd interviewed members of the Hebridean uh, revival. And, yeah, I'm just interested in that link. Is there anything you found around that and that sort of teaching, preparing the people? Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 I'm all for a bit of travailing prayer, and David has done some of the foremost work on that, and he mm. is one of the leaders in the mix at Asbury. Mm. And I could imagine that no one would want there to be lots and lots of travailing prayer mm. <laughs> to back up his thesis. Mm. I'm afraid it's not really happening. <laughs> mm. It's very gentle worship. Mm. I, let me tell you a cool story. I love this. I mean, there's lots of testimonies, by the way. Mm. Lots of people are getting saved. Um, and and I also want to say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a little weary of all the yes buts. I mean, mm, the cynicism yeah. is unbelievable. Everyone's like, yes, mm. it's a move of God, but where's the fruit? 
know, yes, mm. it's, it's probably this, but, you know, where's the social justice impact? Yes, but mm. shouldn't the people coming be saving their carbon footprint and spending the money mm. on something else? You know, here's, here's a lovely story. So one of the, the leaders here is a guy called Mark Benjamin. He's a pretty proficient worship leader. And there was a moment that the worship, Mark's a bit older. Okay, he's not a student. He works for a ministry called Seedbed. And there was a moment where the guys leading worship, you know, their students, bless them, had kind of slightly run out of steam. It's not unreasonable. So Mark said, do you want me to just get up there and, you know, leave for half an hour? Because it's just yeah. like there's worship around the clock. Yeah. So they looked at him and said, oh, maybe these are the students. They said, but you'll have to go and have prayer for consecration first. Hmm. I don't think they knew who he was. So they, they, they took him to a back room and gave him a good dose of prayer to, hmm. to kind of get him holy enough. And then he went out and he started leading the worship. This is a packed auditorium room and being streamed to three, four other venues. And then after a bit, one of the students came and whispered in his ear and said, we think you need to stop now. And he said, why? And they said, we're just not sensing your heart's right. <laughs> so so he said oh okay put down his guitar I said well could you pray for me then so they had a good prayer session with him and then they came up to him later and said we're so sorry we didn't realize you're one of the leaders you know we thought you were some random and um, he said no actually my heart wasn't right you made me realize I, I needed to get my heart right in some way so there's a real holiness thing that's going on here Mark but not mm. so much of the travailing intercession. Mm. Um, I haven't seen that yet. It's 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 not like a charismatic movement. Mm. It's kind of like very very gently charismatic. It's it's mm. it's 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 a you know quite a conservative, almost like an evangelical renewal that we're seeing. It's yes. Methodist. Yes. yes. It's interesting even you use that word adoration. Like when I just have seen some of the videos online, it almost reminded me, yeah, it's sort of a, a mashup of evangelical but almost that Catholic adoration, you know, which is very oh, almost yeah. it's not about us. The worship is almost less, you know, we're so used to sort of I guess the worship styles we're all used to, but there's almost a, a all about God adoration element. It, that's what I saw on yeah. the video, but I'd be interested in whether you saw that in person. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. Having spent time, you know, with the Loretto community, a bit wonderful Catholic youth movement in Austria, and uh, for them, it's the perpetual adoration, you know, in front of the the sacrament that they'll be there worshiping and praying. It's it's actually not dissimilar. Of course, Methodist context, there's a big sign up over the altar <clears throat> saying "Holy unto the Lord." And this, by the way, this is the altar that is the same altar that was there in the 1970s when there was last mm. a, a revival at this mm. very place that mobilized um, renewed Methodists um, to go out around the circuits, the conferences of Methodism, and share their testimonies and, and saw thousands and thousands and thousands of Methodists born again mm. out of Asbury. And um, that was a key component in the Jesus movement in the 1970s. So mm. I think, again, if we're going to approach this, not, uh, you know, 
we'd rather be gullible than cynical. Why don't we dare to believe that this might just multiply into some kind of a new, you know, movement? Mm, Our sort of thesis, Mark, is, and this is one I know you resonate with deeply, is that, you know, it's pretty simple. George Eldon Ladd, the great Pentecostal theologian, Mm. said the primary agency of the kingdom of heaven is the church. Mm. Important language there. The church is not the kingdom of heaven. It's bigger than the church, Mm. but the church is the primary agency of the kingdom. So Mm. the world's in a mess, pretty Mm. obviously. So the church is meant to be the primary solution. The Mm. problem is the church is in a mess. I don't know if anyone noticed Mm. that. Mm. So what do you do? I mean, what mm. is the single most important thing on earth you can do? You've got to call the church of Jesus Christ back to Jesus mm. Christ. And I think that's what perpetual adoration is. I think that's what confession mm. of sin. We've seen a lot of confession of sin yes. at, at Asbury. I think that's what prayer is. It's calling the church mm. of Jesus Christ back to Jesus Christ, that the church mm. of Jesus Christ might become the primary agency of the kingdom of God, that the mess of this world might be reconciled. Stuart Piggin, Australian uh, author, Christian historian, wrote a book called Firestorm of the Lord and he talked about the way that renewals and awakenings had changed and, and, he, and he sort of spoke about a danger that somehow that they can um, become leveraged, that they can become rote. Um, mm. uh, what, what are the sort of guardrails that, that need yeah. to happen at a moment like this to steward yeah. this? Good question. Well, I, I said earlier that the leaders at the heart of what's happening at Asbury are leading strongly, but humbly. And we often don't recognize humble leadership as leadership, but it really is. And and let me give you some examples. Fox News wanted to come and film, and they said no. Mm. And the anchorman on Fox News, you know, it's a pretty big deal, actually said fair play. He said, you have no idea how rare it is to find anything in the modern world that doesn't want the TV cameras. Wow. Yeah, he, he, he was like, when people don't want TV cameras, there's only two reasons. Mostly, it's because they're trying to hide something. Mm. But he said very occasionally, it's because they just don't need the TV cameras. Mm-hmm. And he said, what we got here is something that doesn't seem to need the TV cameras. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that a billion dollars or something just got spent on a Super Bowl advert to launch this fantastic, you know, Christian advertising campaign called He Gets Us. Mm. You know, it's a great initiative. Meanwhile, Asbury has spent zero, nothing. They're actually asking people not to stream not, you know, to switch their phones off in there. They're saying no to the TV cameras. Mm. And they have just got, you know, the biggest PR boost you could possibly imagine. I mean, mm. the whole world, it, you know, Christian world is suddenly aware of Asbury University. So mm. it's kind of an interesting dynamic so yeah they said no to fox and and they you know that there are a lot of big names who are turning up Mm. that they're not allowing onto the platform i I won't tell you the names but big names Mm -hmm. some of whom 
I suspect it's an ego-driven thing. They are desperate mm. to inject their own agenda mm. or their own just themselves into this mm. narrative. Mm. But in fairness, most of them are just quite godly. They're just really happy. They just want to be there and worship mm. and pray and receive. Mm. And then they quietly go away. It's fascinating. Mm. I was just going to ask too, like, it's interesting and in some ways is a question I'm, I'm thinking out loud and I'm sure you're processing. Um, we were also all together at, at Wildfires Festival yeah. um, in, in, in the UK last year. And there's a moment when I, I ducked out of one of the main sessions in the big tent and um, it was at night and uh, I sort of walked out and I looked across to this sort of youth tent and I just really sensed the spirit and, you know, I could hear the worship and I just had this sort of little sense at that time that there was this work that God wanted to do with the next generation. They're going to surprise us. I spoke yeah. to a friend in California uh, just really recently and, he, and I said, you know, how's it going? Coming out of the pandemic, we're sort of comparing notes for our churches and he said, um, you know, a lot of the 30s and 40s are a bit lost and trying to find directions and wondering if they'll move church or leave church. But he said he's getting, you know, Gen Z, Gen Z, uh, you know, sort of ask him, hey, can we borrow the building on Thursday night? And there's a WhatsApp group. It's not organized and 100 young adults will come from different churches. Yeah, I just wonder in your reflection, having been there, the, the I guess, almost prophetic symbolism of a generation who many people have written off as you know, yeah. uh, growing up at this really desperate time in the world. Um, yeah, I'm just interested in the angle of the hope you're seeing around Gen Z uh, yeah. and, and yeah. on the ground that it's being led by them really, you know. I mean, that is the beautiful thing that there's a cleanness um, and a, a, you know, the phrase I got in my head, Mark, was, you know, let's do something real for a change. Mm. You know, it, it just feels extraordinarily real. Yeah. The opposite of hype. And, mm. and um, I wonder if that's counterintuitively what the church is going to offer in the wake of, you know, we kind of took it about as far as we could, right, with the lights and the mm. platinum discs, you know, <laughs> and the O2 and whatever. Mm. And it still didn't really do the trick. Mm. And maybe there is this return to something, forgive me the cliche, but this is very authentic. I, I mm. think we're going to see out of this, you know, some very stripped back worship albums getting released, mm. you know, with, with all the kind of farts and whistles left in. Mm. And I, I wonder if one of the things that will appeal to Generation Z is, um, let's do real. Let's mm. actually be in a room together as human mm. beings. <laughs> like mm. at, the, at the heart of this, we have to ask if we if we dare to use the revival word, what mm. is revival? And this is very important to me. If if we believe that you know revival is this kind of shot in the arm that happens once in a while, um, that we all kind of aspire to then you must protect this at all cost and mustn't let it stop. Mm. But if we believe that revival is a return to normative Christianity, mm. I think there's a pretty good case that you, you look at the life of Jesus 
the miracles, the teaching, the depth of community, the social justice. You look at the early church, that that's normative Christianity and that the seasons of what we call revival are not abnormal. They are returning to normal. The abnormal are the seasons of, you know, compromise and apathy. Now, if, if, we, if we take that paradigm on revival, then, you know, one of the things I, I was saying quietly to one or two people is, as this rolls out, make sure that you have time to do your washing. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's okay to take a day off. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's important on the university campus that lectures are still taught. You know, we don't have a dualism where revival is kind of this better reality over here and everyone's going to lead the world to do it. We somehow have to steward what's going on so that, you know, the, the adoration and the prayer and the movement of the Spirit somehow overflows because one day the earth should be filled mm. with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord mm. as the waters cover the sea. Mm. So I can't remember how we got there, but yeah. Oh, it's really good. Uh, Pete, I think there's just a fantastic whiff of hope with this. <laughs> and, you know, you began saying your spirit, you know, needed or was tired of, of bad news. And I think we're all there, you know, after the last, the world's direction in the last few years, I think after a lot of bad news stories in the church, um, what we're sort of just anticipating is is God flipping the script and surprising us again as he has done throughout history. Um, so all those yeah. listening, and I think people listening to this and have, have clicked on this because it says Asbury and this episode, I would just love if you could pray for us. Pr pray for what's happening in Asbury, um, but just pray for us. Um, and, you know, we always believe rebuilders, we can just do things differently just because of the podcast. People don't often pray on this podcast, but we know that people minister to this and people will be listening in their cars, running, doing chores. And I just think it's like it's time for a holy moment. I think there's a holy moment yeah. breaking out in the world. So we'd love you to, to pray for us and all of this, yeah. the universal church as it goes through this. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Let, let, let me just say one thing and then I pray. Mm. I, I went to Asbury thinking there's going to be a lot of Christian tourism, right? Mm. This is Disney for, you know, fundamentalists I didn't meet a single person when you break the crowds down to human beings individuals I didn't meet a single person who was there other than with just a deep 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 thirst hunger for the Lord and I was reminded of Luke 9 where the great crowds came to Jesus and the disciples got fed up and said send them away and he said no let's feed them and, you know, to, I said earlier that let, let's not, let's be gullible rather than cynical. Mm. I don't even feel gullible anymore. Mm. There is genuine thirst. And the fact that 100,000 have come through in 12 days, we mm. all know. I mean, those are the people who drove, you know, there was a couple from Chile who had sold both their cars to get there. This is just wow. a longing for the Lord. And I, I, I know that people listening to Rebuilders, mm. there's like this longing, and, and we almost don't want to give in to it because we've been hurt, we've mm. been disappointed, we've grown up, you know. Right? Mm. <laughs> and I, I, I want to say really clearly, the thing happening at Asbury will fizzle out. Mm. 
that's okay. Mm. My hope is not in the revival, it's in the reviver, right? It, mm. Insofar as this is Jesus, it'll last eternally. Insofar as pornographic addictions are being broken mm. and people are giving their lives to Christ and re- people are receiving commissions to serve the Lord, that stuff will last. Mm. And mm. so let, let's just pray together. Mm. Lord, I, I want to pray the great apostolic blessing of Romans fifteen thirteen over every person listen to this. May the God of hope mm. fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him mm. so that you may overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So Lord, that is our heart cry that we've rediscovered that your very nature is hope. To know you is to be full of hope. Mm. And Lord, we pray that you would fill us with peace and joy, which is the absolute antithesis of what we so often experience. Fill us, Lord, with hope Mm. and peace and joy, not just Mm. enough for our lives, but that it would overflow that hope would leak out of our bodies and that people would Mm. say, I spent time with this person and Mm. I don't know why, but I'm feeling I walk an inch taller. I feel Mm. more hopeful. And I Mm. think it might be that they're Christians. Mm. So Lord, I ask that in an anxious, frightened, chaotic time, we'd be people of hope, peace and joy by the power Mm. of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So make us portals, make us landing pads, make Mm. us, you know, insurgents, make us Mm. countercultural, truly, as you fill us with your Mm. spirit, that we might be in our own experience full of hope Mm. and peace and joy, Mm. not just for ourselves, but for our communities. Mm. And Lord, where the honest truth is we've had our hearts broken, we've Mm. hoped in the wrong things and it's broken our hearts. We've been disappointed Mm. and let down by leaders, by church structures, by religion, by ourselves. We bring our hurts and pains before you, Lord. We don't deny them. We push into the shadows of them. But we ask for the power of your resurrection, for a new song in our hearts, for life to be released in every part of us that is somehow dead and dying. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. 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 Mm. Amen. Thank you so much, Pete, for taking the time. And I think so many people are wanting to, you know, I guess process this and and just thank you for helping us process this. And, uh, yeah, we wish you safe rest of your journey back to back home to the UK. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, Pete. See you mm. soon. You're back with us now, um, the usual Rebuilders crew. We actually yeah. um, welcome Liddy. Thank you. Um, uh, Brian has departed because literally <laughs> we just had an event. <laughs> so we basically texted uh, Pete about whether he could jump on with us. Yeah. And and we're like, we're free in the next couple of hours. And those next couple of hours was was Brian speaking to a group here in, in Melbourne <laughs> about 24-7. And literally the event ended 
and uh, Brian got a text saying Pete was ready to jump on. So well done to Brian. He literally finished talking for about <laughs> an hour and a half and then jumped straight into that interview. Yeah. Um, so he's gone to have a well-deserved rest. But we just thought we would just reflect because um, mm. I think we all felt there was something really significant. Um, yeah. And mm. dare I say I felt a sense of weight and holiness um, yeah. Yeah. from that. I'd love to hear your guys' perspective. I think, um, yeah, I had this, I mean, we've, we've had a couple of events over this last weekend here in Melbourne because uh, Brian Heasley is here as part of um, supporting 24-7 Prayer Australia and we've had a couple of events. Uh, and it's interesting having these events in light of what's going on in Asbury yes. and, um, you know, asking those questions of, oh, it's happening over there, where else could it happen? Yes. Um, and that invitation to hope, I suppose, mm. which we, you were focusing on at the end there, that invitation to hope and pray and contend for our own spaces yes, as well, like for the global church mm. um, but also our own local expression here. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess for me felt a real challenge and mm. I was thinking about this um, driving to work yesterday morning of will will I contend and will I pray for such a thing to happen here and do I believe that God can do that? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's good, lady. I, I think I, what I'm kind of sitting with, um, I don't know about you guys, I'm like I found and still feel a little bit emotional just thinking mm. about it and, and holding it because I suppose there is a longing Yes. We all have, yeah. and I'm sure many of listeners, it was great to have Pete pray at the end mm. there, but we have for an outpouring of the spirit and mm. to see something awaken. Mm. But I just found what I was kind of thinking around was just, um, just there's no hype to this. There's mm. like all the, there's no production value. There's no, like all the things that really shape so much of Western church and have mm. done for the last however many decades mm. just aren't there. And it is yeah. this pure, um, just humble coming before Jesus and experiencing mm. him. And I know I just you just have these moments of going, oh, that just feels so right. And you, yeah. you, my spirit feels mm. like, yes, and amen. Mm. Yeah. Yet somehow my brain still goes, no, but we need to make sure we have this thing happening yeah. and <laughs> do, organize that. And yeah. Like, um, this, yeah, just feeling that tension because mm. um, we all still have Sundays come round and yeah. we have different ministries we're running and mm. organizing mm. and ideas and um, all these kind of ways that we help engage people. Mm. Um, but, yeah, at a moment like this, it feels like, oh, does that all come to nothing? Mm. Or, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of wrestling with that, mm. <laughs> that yeah. kind of thought process. Yeah. And I, th I, yeah, I think, you know, we sort of saw Pete doing that same thing, like yeah. processing yes. What, yes. What, does this, what does this mean for now and, and being so thankful to God for what he's doing. But at the same mm. time, well, yeah, what happens now? And, mm. yeah, how do you sit in that space of yeah. that yeah. in between? Mm. Um, I also love, sorry, Mark, I know no, no, you said no, something. I also, I think um, he kind of reflected on it quite interestingly that there's there's a 
um, a piece of what the Holy Spirit is doing for a generation experiencing anxiety. Mm. There is a deep sense of belonging in a generation that has mm. felt so isolated mm. and, and mm. lonely. Mm. Um, there is humble leadership for a generation of people who are uh, of people who are sick of narcissistic leadership yeah. and elder abuse, <laughs> and mm. it's um, kind of typified in this analog space rather mm. than a generation who's been you know saturated by digital media mm. and I I guess hearing that I'm like oh man this is so mm. much of what we have talked about yeah um that this is a complete opposite mm. to um yeah all of these things that have have like marked mm. the church or has have um the church has struggled with or not mm. known how to grapple with. Mm. Yeah, I just found that really it's, fascinating. I mean, two things. One, just an initial thing and, and what you said, the analogue thing, and, and he mm. mentioned it a couple of times. Mm. And I, I go back to 2020 and, you know, the conversations we we're having, you think how digital even just Rebuilders was and, you know, everyone, there was a period where pretty much every country was locked down and everyone was doing digital church and yes. it was like digital church is the future and stuff like uh, this. Who would have thought, what, only a few handful of three years later you'd be in this super analog, um, uh, you know, <laughs> like move of God breaking out. Mm. Now there is an element where, you know, we also know about it because of the digital True. platforms. Yeah. But I, I think the form of it is really, really interesting. And we have a word, I can't remember if I said it in the interview with, with um, Pete, but we have a word in Australian, daggy, which <laughs> is like a very warm, it's actually a warm sort of word around someone who's not cool, but lovable, like a lovable uncoolness. And mm. um, in, informal, scruffy, not stylish. Yeah, there you go. That's the official. Uh, uh, what dictionary <laughs> yeah. is that? You Google. might call someone a bit of a dag. A bit of a dag, yeah. yeah. And and I just noticed a lot of Aussies who were talking to me about this were like, oh, yeah, it's actually quite almost a little bit daggy, you know. Yeah. And, mm. and I think that that hits because I think Pete said he's right. Like we had, I think one thing the pandemic did tell us is like our, in terms of events, you know, the big whiz bang blockbuster event mm. is not going to bring a revival, you know, in terms of like technological brilliance and stuff like that. And again, it's not not a slam against any of that, you know, but I just think that that's why there's something just really interesting. And I think if this had happened at some big whiz bang church with a big whiz bang celebrity pastor, it wouldn't be having the effect that where it's happened mm. is, you know, I mean, there's something beautiful about that. And, um, but I think like, like reflecting more broadly, you know, I think you're right. Like I'm thinking back to the journey uh, many people listening to this podcast have been on. Um, and, and I've almost thought about it. It's almost like, cause I've been reading all this stuff about, you know, like crazy stuff recently about or energy and gas and oil <laughs> to talk about what's <laughs> happening in the world. But that idea that, that they will discover, um, uh, uh, you know, there's a guy called Sinjin Philby who discovered the oil fields under Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. He was the spy Kim Philby's dad. And this sense that you discover by drilling down, but underneath can be this massive pressure of oil or gas. And I feel like the last few years has been this recognition that there's a growing under the ground in the church in the remnant of the church who's hung on through all the, the <laughs> crap and rubbish <laughs> we've been through, that that 
it's sort of pressing up to the surface. That, that's what I sort of feel yes. like. Like, you know, they drill into a gas field and there's a bit that comes up. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think we've seen that. Like I think about um, when, you know, I did a little talk to, you know, about 100 friends and pastors and their teams in in, in, in Portland, you know, which became this cultural moment, Portland sessions, mm. you know, talking about like daring to talk about in a place like Portland that, revival and renewal and awakening could happen you know and the way that then went out you know and even people who just i've spoken to all over the world who pulled over their car while listening to that or stopped jogging and sort of just wept second week in a row i've gotten emotional um (laughs) you're allowed and, and you know i think that's been the individual spouts of that pressure mm. under the surface. Mm. But I feel like this is a little bit of a geyser. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like yeah. shot up or a, a gas. I don't even know what the gas version of a geyser is. But it just feels like that. And, and I think that's why we're all attentive to it. And, mm. and I think I, I had this sense that um, uh, uh, when, when, when this happened – we're in this really weird place, I think. The pandemic happened and, and we had it. There were people contacting us like, is this the big crisis before the renewal? And, and you know, the world was so disrupted. But there's almost this sense you've had lately of like, as you've seen life come back to normal and sporting, you know, Events. stadiums are filled yeah, and, yeah. and restaurants are filled and our life's back and you see that in our city. But, um, you know, sort of almost a lament, like I said, the church just goes back to normal. Mm. And I sort of feel like the people of God, like one dynamic has been the washing machine of churches. Like go to different cities, everyone's like everyone, about 30% of people are just changing churches and swapping churches often, you know. And part of me is like, oh, man, after all this, is this what this is, you know. Mm. And I almost feel like where the church is at now is you've sort of got 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, sort of like in this thing of, oh, do we just move church? Do we do this? What do we do? It's not working for me. But there is almost a desperation, I think, for the Gen Zs, the Gen Zs. You know, I talked I talked to my daughter and she she talks about this, mm. to see God move. Mm. The, they, they, the, the Gen Zs, in contrast to millennials or whatever above them, they do not believe the, the world's lies that everything's going to be brilliant and you're brilliant and yeah. it's all going to be fantastic. You know, my daughter says to me, you know, I, I came of age in a pandemic and a war in Europe <laughs> and a possible, you know, global financial recession. Yeah. Um, so there's a hunger... I think this is one of those big geysers shooting mm. up. Yeah. So I almost sort of feel like I'm just going to almost give a word here. I sort of feel like there's two choices like at this moment, like to press in and you're just not – it's like I think there's more potential moves like this in other places. There's a pressing in and there's a sovereign work of God, as Martin Lloyd-Jones said about revivals and renewals and awakenings. There's a pressing in mm. that also needs to happen. But then I think there's another bunch of people – which the question is, do you just want to you know, find a church that works a bit better, that works for you? Do you want to just keep going in the same pattern? Um, and and I think there's a challenge in the midst of this, of yeah. what we're going to contend for. You know, that word has been something that, you know, I put in my book, Reaper in Church, there's, there's an element that I think the future belongs to the contenders, mm. uh, not the comfortable. Started preaching there, guys. So. <laughs> that is absolutely fine. Um, it was good, Mark. Uh, just going to. While you're doing that, can I give yeah, another please, another please another do. word that that I've just been holding on to a little bit? Um, felt this for some time, and it was interesting. Pete mentioned um, people coming from Brazil and Chile and 
for for a, a while, I've had a sense that you've got a lot of people in South America who've experienced these things. Mm. Um, we were also just in a session just before where someone shared about the Korean church, yeah. you know, which has experienced these things, but one or two generations earlier. And there's a new generation who's hungering this. And some of those people are walking away in the younger generations. Um, but I just want to just say, like, I just have a real sense um, for South America, you know, particularly I think countries like Chile and Brazil, which have been polarized. I just want to send to it. I don't speak Spanish or Portuguese. Uh, but just one thing God has really brought to my attention is that I think God wants to do a new thing in South America. Michael Reed, who's an English journalist who wrote a book about the South American continent, said the South American continent is often the forgotten continent, and he called it the third west. But I just have this real sense that God wants to move again in a new way in South America in a time of real polarization. Um, and uh, if you are in those countries and we have listeners there, I just want to just like pass this word on to you from us here in Australia that I think God wants to do something, particularly those two countries, Brazil and Chile. There's a new move that God wants to do in those places. And I'm hoping some of what's happening, you know, it takes off there. Just a side note for our Brazilian and Chilean and all of South America, Latin American listeners. Yeah, amen to that. Um, I just, I really love this line that that Pete said and I think it might be a good way to uh, wind up this episode. Um, we pray that you were given hope um, by the story that, that Peter shared or the stories that he shared of the his experience at Asbury and what he's observed he said, my hope is not in the revival, it's in the reviver. Mm. Yeah, may we find hope in him and see that in all of our contexts across this world. Amen. Mm. See you next time. 